welcome to the Dental Deep Dive, where we dive into industry trends and best practices for optimizing your dental organization while providing the best possible experience and care for patients. Welcome back, everyone, to this episode of the Dental Deep Dive. David Danielson here, the host of the Dental Deep Dive. Today, I'm joined by Mike White. Mike works for CLA. It's a CPA consulting firm that specializes in helping dental and medical practices manage their finances. Mike has tremendous experience helping with mergers and acquisitions. He also helps with financial strategies and planning and budgets. And we're so glad that he could join the call. We're gonna dive into some really cool items around what's going on in trends in the industry. And then we're gonna look at some of the things that you could do to improve your practice in 2021. Let's dive in. It's an honor to have you here. Yeah, no, I appreciate being here. Always always fun to work with you guys and, and do these educational series. So Mike, why don't you tell us a little bit about CLA? What do you do? You know, and and you know, why why did we put you on the show? I mean, give us your <laughs> sizzle factor. Come on. <laughs> yeah, why why would you invite a CPA to a conference to entertain people? Um, so yeah, so my of course I am a CPA. I've been in the industry for since 2010. Uh, really, I, some people know me as Mike White from MWA. I uh, joined CLA back in 2018, uh, which is a national firm actually going international. We just opened our international hub, um, which is exciting. But, you know, 6,500 folks nationwide and, and 160 offices. Uh, but dentistry and physicians, that, that whole healthcare space is a really big niche for the firm from tax and accounting services to advisory services. We're doing a lot with artificial intelligence and AI. Uh, doing a lot of automation in the accounting process. But frankly, most importantly, what we we bring to the marketplace is education and insight, uh, where the information is so starving or starved for information, I should say. Uh, there's not a lot of benchmarking data out there. There's not a lot of you know financial benchmarks. So that's what we've brought to the marketplace. And we continue to expand that information and, and become a thought leader in the space. So it's been a lot of fun to do this. We We serve a national base, but I'm based out of here in Dallas, Texas. Um, but you know, love visiting Utah and, and the surrounding areas. That's awesome. I was there this summer, actually. Oh, that's that's always the best. Yes. Yeah, I mean, we've got a little uh, snow frosted tops of the mountains right now, so people oh, are great. like, "Oh, here it is. That's the magic." You know, yeah. It's when the snow hits the valleys. That's when people get scared. So, <laughs> anyway, yes. so that's really interesting, and and it's very interesting you bring that up because in a lot of the discussions that I've had with some you know senior leaders of large dental organizations. It's true. Everybody's really looking for good benchmarking data. And and it's like, how do you want to track and manage those things? I, I think that's such a great value uh, that you guys bring to the market. So, so we're so glad you're on the show. Um, one of the things that has been a top of mind concept right now is we're in a really turbulent time. So we're seeing really new and different kinds of trends. What are What do you think are the three most important trends that you're tracking right now? Well, wow, a great question. And, and we are. I mean, this is certainly from a global pandemic standpoint, but um, and, and just, you know, where we are today and how we've come out of it, it's been amazing. You know, of course, we, we initially started tracking the downturn, you know, when dentistry was primarily shut down. And, and I think one of the hardest industries hit, as we all know, um, you know, we were tracking, okay, how long is this lull going to be? You know, is there enough emergency care to sustain? And of course, receivables as they were coming in, what does this look like when we reopen? Um, so we went from you know tracking it down to how quickly did we rebound, 
uh, what we call the recapture period. So was there pent up demand in our schedule that allowed us to not fill a month and a half of shutdown or two, you know, two months shutdown, but enough to re at least sustain our, our schedule and sustain our, our opening back up and getting back to the normal. Uh, with so many cases starting to rise again, now we're starting to monitor where are we relative to schedules coming back, employees being careful or not even careful, but wanting to come back. Are they um, are they comfortable is the right word. Are they comfortable coming back to serve? I know I had some calls yesterday with some billing for some of my clients about their billers, all but one. Um, so five of them said they're not coming back for a while. And, you know, those those type of things. How do you how do you resolve that matter? And those are the things that we're tracking um, in today. So it's a lot more soft, softer metrics than we used to track. And when we looked at production per patient, doctor days work, scheduling, now we're really looking at the softer side of the employee base and the operations and how it's all working. So it's been an interesting shift and, and one that's been insightful. You know, that's a really great point. In some of the organizations that I talked to recently, I mean, selection, it's such a critical part of dental is getting people back in the door to, to help, you know, on the administrative side, um, some on the clinical side as well. And so it's been, it's been a very interesting, I, I'm glad you highlighted that. Yeah. What about you guys relative to while people were down, did they take that time to install software and upgrade some of the procedures, look at some of the compliance matters that may have been unresolved? Did you guys see a lot of that? So we did. We saw quite a bit of activity around uh, planning, particularly upgrade planning. Uh, we saw a lot of discovery into the innovations in different tools and how we could use them. Um, I saw a lot of creativity coming out of organizations ours as well as uh, customers and clients of ours where, you know, we need to use the software smarter so that we can help track things. Um, one of the interesting things that came out of that was uh, particularly in public health, they really wanted to track cancel rates based on uh, COVID so they can go back to their grant, <laughs> their grant committees and say, hey, we didn't get money because we didn't do these services and it's all COVID related because they think, hey, you know, there might be a grant attached to that in a, in a bit. So it was very interesting that they wanted to check, you know, and, and look at uh, evaluations. I think pre-screening really became an interesting topic. Um, people wanted to make sure that they were doing pre-screening. They wanted to make sure that data was in the record. They were tracking it. So those things really were kind of eye-opening uh, areas. So yeah. yeah, a lot of discovery. How much of that do you think will recur? You know, so new procedures of how a patient comes into the chair, how the cleaning procedures between patients. Do you do you think we'll see a systemic you know change in you know society a little bit? I, I think that there is a new norm. Yeah. I, I you know I use that term a lot when I'm talking to different groups. And, and I think there is a new norm, uh, regardless of what happens down the road. I think that we made some improvements for yeah. patient safety and for staff safety that I don't think are going to go away. Now, will they evolve and change? Yeah, I think that they will. But I think that we'll always have that lens. Um, and I think that's a good lens for, for organizations to have. No, I agree. I know my wife and I were talking that um, she always got sick when we got on an airplane pre COVID. She just always got sick when we came back from vacation. She's like, I may, you know, she's never getting sick now, which is great. We've been on a plane. Uh, she's like, I may always wear a mask, you know, post COVID. It, just some of the psychological, even procedural things that we've become accustomed to. I, I agree with you. I think they'll evolve into something new um, and continue to evolve, especially with the vaccine in light of that. But, you know, on the dental practice side, it's going to be interesting to see 
you know, some of these practices are doing very well hitting pre-COVID revenue numbers, seeing less patients per day because they're realizing maybe it wasn't all about volume. Maybe if I gave the patient the time that I now have to give, um, there's an opportunity for proper treatment planning, case presentation, and some of those things that patients were looking for. Um, so as we measure that, that's going to be a, a critical thing as well. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, I I saw for a while, I was tracking really heavily in September and and I haven't done tons of deep research in, in October um, in some cursory stuff in November. But from, from my perspective, you know, I'm seeing a very strong rebound in the actual number of procedures that are being done. And we're tracking that really closely. But what's interesting is that people lengthen their schedules to get those production numbers up, right? It's it, it it's not that they didn't want to hit those numbers. They just can't do it quite as efficiently as they used to do um, because of the cleaning, uh, you know, burden that we've inherited. And I think that's, it's really interesting that, um, you know, a lot of organizations, when they came out of the bump, they were, they were their production was, it took a hit, you know, and, and it took a while to kind of ramp back up. And what I'm seeing right now is that organizations, particularly ones that adopt technology more readily. Those guys tend to be the ones that are a little bit farther ahead. They rebounded a little bit faster. They got, uh, they were able to get their patients back in the door a little bit faster, you know, and, and you just look at that and you're like, well, that makes sense. But it, it was interesting when we saw the numbers, you're like, wow, that makes a lot of sense, you yeah. know, from a, from, a re, from a rebound perspective. So. Yeah. Well, even the simple process of, you know, patients that are waiting in their car and that a few extra steps they're taking as opposed to waiting in the waiting room and you have less people in the, the waiting room so you're not working as many operatories or you know waiting for patients to leave the hallway so you don't have patients crossing in the hallway so these simple little you know scheduling and even you know process systematic process changes that we've made i, I think a lot of them are for the better um i really do and again i think it's allowing for that personal touch but yeah it's great to hear that you're tracking those numbers as well that's that's always fun so so my question for you is do you think we actually hit the new norm? Like, are we there? Are we are we still on the upward trend? Are we going to get back to where we were? Or do you think we're still a little bit below? I, that's a great question. I really, I would say, I don't think we're at the new norm now. So my first reaction is no, we're not at the new norm because as we kind of track that dip, the recapture, and then we saw a softening again for a little bit, not necessarily, you know, a drop 10%, but maybe it was 96% of prior year in, in a lot of key markets. Uh, we have some markets that are doing well over 100% of prior year, and they just, you know, ramped up well. There are markets that I call them the wild, wild west. There's a little, uh, little less mask wearing, a little less care of what's going on in the world. Um, but when you start thinking about uh, that process, I think the new norm, especially with, again, just the example I gave a minute ago with billers saying, hey, I'm, I'm out. And the impact that's going to be to production and thinking of, okay, are we data service? Are we data entry within our billing system? Um, and, and having those conversations like, well, we're not going to change what we were before um, just because they're out. We need to find more team members or backfill those roles and truly have those experiences. But I don't think we're at the new norm. I'm hoping now with the vaccines coming along, of course, UK had their big announcement today, uh, which is huge. Hopefully we're not that far behind. Granted, it's going to take months and months to roll it out. But I do hope there becomes as we're sitting here this time next year, and maybe we go ahead and put it on the calendar now. Let's have that conversation again to say, what is that new norm? It'd be great to look back. Oh my gosh, that'd be so great. We should definitely schedule that. Absolutely, absolutely. So are you, now we've had all the COVID turbulence, you were seeing the turn, we're seeing some organizations rebound. What about as far as like 
M&A? Like what's happening in that transition period? I mean, what are people doing? It's it's crazy. Um, you know, I'll use the wild, wild west again, but acquisitions, mergers, I know there was a lot of fear and, you know, funding. I even wrote, wrote interviews and articles about, you know, is funding going to come back because some of the banks did pull back a little bit. Um, I know some of the banks there in, in Utah uh, certainly kind of pulled back, got a little softer on it, but they want to have the wait and see model. And it's not the wrong model. Banks are traditionally conservative, but thankfully, MESDET funds, private equity, institutional funds, and of course, the, you know, the uh, larger groups that have done very well through this um, are starting to get active again. I know I'm currently working on nine transactions already. I've already completed four coming right out of COVID. And I think we'll have another 15 that close by the end of the year. And 2021 schedule is already filling up with bigger and, and larger transactions that we're working on. So I, I see the activity happening. I think the sadder thing, and I'd love to hear your insight too, is so many practices. We knew there was an aging population. We knew baby boomers were considering, what do I do pre-COVID? Do I sell to a DSO? Do I add to a bigger group? Do I join or try to work for that associate or look for that associate that wants to join me? We're hearing a lot of stories where they just close their doors. They're done. They don't even want to bother reopening to sell. And it's the saddest stories because, you know, they wouldn't have to reopen much. They even might be able to get a nominal value for patient charts and some of the operatories, but they're just walking away. And those are the sad, disheartening stories. But have you heard anything like that as well? Uh, a total mixed bag. You know, I've yeah. I've heard, you know, people jumping in. I've heard of small groups snatching up those those charts. Yeah. I mean, they're basically yeah. buying the book. They're they're not, I mean, they never reopen. They're just like, here's my book, take over. It, it's really interesting because I think that those types of transactions have a weird influence on valuation. They do. Right? Because, you know, you pre-COVID, we had this certain expectation of you know, what we could expect. Everybody's a 10X. Everybody's a 10X. Everybody's yeah. a 10X. <laughs> and now I don't I don't see it quite that clearly anymore. You know, I, I think that it's really hard because it's like, well, what, what revenue do you base it off of? Pre-COVID, the rebound out of COVID, your slump in October. Like, you know, what are, what are people doing? So what we're seeing now, so coming right out of COVID, what we saw was traditionally, if you know, I'll use the 10X because it's the easy math. Um, and, and just so everybody knows on the phone that's listening today, not everybody's a 10X. We're going to disclose that now. But if you know you were using a 10X, then the values were coming out immediately at eight and a half and nine. Um, but in addition to that, they were doing a 15 to 25% COVID holdback. So that meant said, we're going to give you pre-COVID valuation numbers. Granted, value is a little less. We're going to give you pre-COVID valuations, but you have 12 to 24 months to get back to that EBITDA and we'll release the rest of this money. If you don't, then we'll do a pro rata share. And so that, that trend started. And I'm still seeing, I would probably say 50% of the transactions I'm working on now are still doing that mentality. Now we're starting to see, especially as we get into year end, and I've talked to several transaction broker guys that are saying, okay, as we go into year end, what's going to happen is we're just going to take a trailing 12. Um, because a lot of these practices, their EBITDA wasn't impacted that bad because when you think of it, they cut their employees so fast, but they had all the receivables coming through. And a lot of them were cash basis financial statements, even at the smaller level. So they're having really great months on EBITDA when there was really no performance going on. So, you know, as you measure that forward, you know, the production loss or AR that was, you know, kind of worked through, if you will. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how those valuations go into next year. But I am seeing where that initial one-time turn down is starting to come back up. So half turned down, quarter turned down, but 
you know, we're starting to see some deals that are really, really good valuations and, and really healthy valuations. So people still believe in dentistry and if it could survive a global pandemic as well as it did, there's still a lot of belief for um, some really good years ahead on the transaction and, and merger side. I'm seeing the same thing. I, I see robust investment still. I think that they're picking their players uh, more strategically, but I don't see, I'm, I'm not hearing anything about we can't get funding for it. Like that, I don't think that that's the problem. I think it's marrying the right organizations together. I think that's a bigger challenge. So when we think about, you know, I'll add to that real, real quick. One thing we want to, you know, also notate is so many of these practices were in active acquisition mode, meaning their balance sheets were leveraged, their cash positions were probably not as healthy as they should be. Uh, they leveraged the receivables. They always knew they had that consistent cash flow coming. So what happened within COVID is, okay, we're shutting down operations, but all that AR is like a waterfall or a wave came over. Then the idle money came through. Then the PPP money came through. Then HHS came through. And little by little, we're seeing some of these strong balance sheets. Granted, there's some debt on the books and we'll figure out all the PPP forgiveness, whether, you know, today it's taxable, but hopefully, you know, Congress is meeting again in a couple of weeks um, and maybe something changes. They have up through February to possibly make that a change, but still cash positions are much healthier. So where I had some groups like, I don't know if they're going to survive this, came out of this, like, let's acquire something. And that was really interesting from a trend standpoint, or let's invest in software. We've been putting this off. And, um, you know, those are the kind of things that we really found interesting in the trend and, and you know, great for the trend, if you will, that yeah. the PPP money, uh, you know, got used appropriately. And of course they spend it on employees, rent, utilities, all the, the good things that you could. So that's awesome. Big picture. What are you seeing in 2021? What are you anticipating? What's going to happen here? Yeah, I think 2021, you know, certainly with the vaccine coming online and, and, you know, we all know COVID fatigue, we, you know, politics aside, we all know all of us, you know, I've been working from my home office since February. I did a bunch of road trips and that was great, but you know, all of us are kind of getting at that pent up demand where it's really like, okay, let's get back to some type of normal. What is that new normal? We'll we'll sit here in a year from now and talk about it. Um, But I do believe people are going to start getting comfortable wearing the mask, start getting comfortable with the vaccine coming out. Um, and, and seeing the impacts there. But from an industry standpoint, I think it's going to be incredibly active. Uh, when I wrote, I remember I wrote an article for Group Dentistry Now as one of the 20 thought leaders on that article. And all of us expected 2020 to be a bank, gangbusters year. And I think the tail end of it's starting to see that way. But already knowing, I, I know of two to 300 locations in 2021 that will transact because we're already planning on it. So, you know, just, just within my small little book that I, I work out here in town. So, when we start looking at that that piece of it, I think it's going to be a really really bu- busy year. And I think twelve thirty one of this year is going to close out incredibly busy. Yeah, I, I I'm seeing very similar signs that way. Yeah. So, do you see any differences around like specialty groups versus GP in twenty twenty one? I mean, because I'm seeing you know I'm seeing a lot of those GP groups starting to bring in a little bit more specialty, but the specialty groups they're they're a different kind of animal. No, it's a great question. And you're really starting to see specialty groups banding together themselves, right? If our, we think of our first wave of consolidation, and we can say it's the first wave or the third wave. I've heard a lot of different stories, but you know, in the most recent first 20% consolidation was heavily GP. So when people say, hey, we're about 20, 30% consolidation, depending on the perspective and who says what, but somewhere in that range, um, again, data is not there uh, to measure it completely. When we start looking at that information, it's heavily GP, and of course, some of those have specialty, but now we're starting to see specialty-only groups banding together. 
uh, without naming names, we're seeing a lot of endo groups. I have several of those going. We're, we're working with several ortho groups right now all across the nation that are starting to band together. I'm working with some uh, foreign Asian money that's possibly coming into the States. Um, and I think we'll see more of that too in some of the investments, some international money. Uh, when North American Dental Group did their transaction with Switzerland, I think that was just the tip of the iceberg of international consolidation, whether we go north to Canada, uh, because we have a few groups that we know of in Canada that were very successful and now coming into the States to replicate their model, but not bridging those together. Uh, but I think we'll start seeing a little bit more consolidation international and cross lines too. And in specialty, I think it's if we fast forward this three, four years, those specialty groups that are really consolidating today, they'll start banding together with some of the GP groups today to kind of round out that hub spoke model, if you will. And then whether hospitals or Amazon or, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> Tesla buys all of them. Who knows? We'll, we'll find out. <laughs> That's a little TBD. Yeah. Tesla's focused on Mars. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I love Tesla that way. Um, but but I do think it's really interesting that you're highlighting, you know, the, the consolidation in some segments is just getting started. Yeah. And I'm starting to see more and more relationships between commercial dentistry groups and medical groups. Because the medical sees the dental now as part of their spoke strategy. So, you know, you think about in the regular world of dentistry, it's hub and spoke for them to have specialty. But for medical, you know, the dental is the spoke. And so we're starting to see that as well. And so it's very interesting dynamic. Um, you know, I'm starting to see more and more pressure from the medical uh, communities kind of reaching down. Um, and I think we're going to continue to see that too. I, I think it's not just isolated to the uh, the consolidation among GPs or among specialty. I think I think you're going to see some major medical players get involved and, and snatch up some of these bigger groups. I 100% agree. I, I remember when I got into healthcare um, back in 08 and two, 2010, kind of in that range. And a good friend of mine says, "Everybody's going to work for the hospital one day, right? Just you know, whatever hospital system that is, everybody's going to work for the hospital." Um, and, and I remember thinking about that and now as I see the industry and, and I think hospitals will end up getting into this, just like Walmart and their expanded medical clinics and, and some of these other groups that are doing something fairly similar. If you look at, I don't know if you ever track any of the international, there's a couple groups I've, I've come across and, and even been talking to about doing consulting in Abu Dhabi and Dubai and, and some of that area. And they all have 52 providers in one clinic. And, you know, these specialists across all these, you know, these mega clinics, beautiful clinics, um, it's really interesting. And I think as we kind of look at some, some things that are going over there in Europe and in East Asia and Western Asia, we'll probably see some of the same stuff that comes over here. I totally agree. I, mean, yeah. I think this is a global evolution. I, I, you know, sometimes we get a little myopic because we're all here in the U.S. and and ADA kind of rules a lot of the roost on it. But I, I agree. I think that there's a lot bigger push internationally uh, for for growth. So, so from a software technology platform, you know, within Shine One, what are you guys seeing? Are y'all starting to plan forward for softwares to come under one roof in both areas? Because you have CPT codes in both worlds are so drastically different. Um, so planning around that, because there's already a lot of conversation about GP and specialty systems coming together a little bit more cohesively. And I know you guys have been working on that, but yeah, you all starting to have those conversations now? Uh, we do have a lot of those types of conversations. 
around standardization of databases and particularly coding, coding systems, uh, tooth numbering. I mean, I, I know it sounds crazy, but tooth numbering is not the same in the U.S. as it is everywhere else in the world. So, I mean, you just bump into little things like that. And and it is, it's top of mind for us. I mean, we we are aware of industry and geographic changes and we're, we're making, you know, plans to make sure that we can support our customers wherever they are. So I think there's some some really good takeaways there. So getting down into the brass tacks, I mean, we're we're winding down on our on our few minutes here. So one of the questions that I had is if I was a group practice or uh, a dental practice, you know, what financial strategy should I be focusing on, you know, looking at the new year and the trends that we're seeing right now? Yeah. You know, for, for those who've seen me speak before, heard me talk, or even seen anything I've written, I'm, I've always been a big proponent of, of budgeting and looking at a plan, looking at strategies around, you know, what does this look like from a cash flow planning standpoint? And as, as good a budgeting as we are, and as much as we do it, a, you know, global pandemic was never something that was in the budget. Um, but it did bring top of mind the importance of data, the importance of this information, because my struggle has been, and the conversations have been so much around, you know, just keep your accounting up to date. Whether you use our firm or not, just keep your accounting up to date. Keep that data relevant so you can make real-time business decisions. And that's something we've educated on for so long. And I think this forced some people to get caught up and allowed for some people to get caught up, I say, in a way. But now we're doing a lot more planning as we go into 2021 and having a really a lot of conversations of what do you want to do when you grow up? Um, and I think that's an important conversation because, you know, so many people, I'll, I'll talk to somebody who's 60, 70 years old and, you know, I love those conversations. They always kind of chuckle at the idea, but then it, they start thinking about it and they're like, well, I, you know, actually I, I, I want to go 10 to 15 more years, but I don't want this pressure or that pressure. Or I'm not sure if my associate really wants to stick around and those kind of things. So it really allows people to start thinking about, let's go beyond 2021 and let's really think about 2023 and back into 2021 and how that impacts and what changes we need to make. So I'd say planning and what we saw more than anything and love to hear your, your interpretation is culture really came together. You know, you know, I saw, you know, Skype and Zoom calls with the teams and keeping morale up when practices were shut down. And it branded together a whole nother dynamic of team building and and culture, which was exciting to see and, and fun because it got people aligned with the vision and they really started thinking through, and we've had a hundred things on our to-do list. Now we can really work through those to-do items and prioritize what's the most important. So I don't know if you guys saw anything like that as well. You know, in a lot of the conversations that I had with teams, I, I felt like they looked at new opportunities. There were a whole bunch of things they wanted to make changes with. And like COVID became this like catalyst of, ooh, we want to tweak this. We want to tweak that. And now we're making all these changes anyway. It became that springboard to make some of those changes that they wanted to make. And I think that some of those things were cultural driven. I think some of them were operational driven. And I think some of it had to do with the fact that, you know, some people were not in the practice all the time. And and it's just that new dynamic of, of you know, who's there and who's not there. And I think that that's a, that was a winning combination for some of the groups that I've talked to. Um, you know, for others, uh, you know, I think it was, can we just get enough people to keep the doors going to keep, keep the engine moving, you know? So, yeah. And staffing has continued to be something that's been on top of mind, you know, whether it's health concerns or just, Hey, I had to find another job when I was cut down and 
um, you know, I needed to keep, you know, keep my own, you know, bread on the table or whatnot. So it's certainly a, a change in dynamic. So, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I, that was so fantastic, Mike. I, I, I love talking to you. I mean, yeah, this was great. The first time we met, you know, we were like stuffing our faces with appetizers. So this is such a refreshing get together. And absolutely. And we'll do that again, by the way, one day. Exactly. Well, I'll make my way back down to Texas. I've got my eye on a couple of places I've got to try for sure. So yeah, there you go. Well, I got my mountains back here for you. So <laughs> all right. That's so, so great. Anyway, well, I really appreciate you being here, taking the time uh, to share your insights with with our community um, and look forward to catching up with you soon. Yeah, absolutely. We'll talk at least in 12 months. We know that. For sure. You have a great one. Happy holidays, everybody. Yep. Take care. Bye-bye. Wow, that was a fantastic interview with Mike. I think there are three key takeaways. One, very interesting trends that we're seeing in the consolidation Two, what's going on with valuations and three the thing that really stuck out to me was making sure that we had a solid budget and plan going into 2021 to make sure that we're all successful so if we can take some of those things that he shared and apply them to our practices i know that we're going to be better off thanks again for being here on this episode of the dental deep dive and look forward to catching you next time We'd like to thank our sponsor, Dentrix Enterprise, for sponsoring this podcast. If you'd like to learn more about how Dentrix Enterprise can help you centralize and grow your practice, why don't you visit them at dentrixenterprise.com forward slash dental deep dive and learn more.